0: Hello, everybody, and welcome once again to our show. My name is W.J. Sheehan, author of the series Bigfoot Terror in the Woods, Sightings and Encounters. Nine books available in paperback and audio formats at Amazon, Audible, iTunes. So go out and buy a couple of copies And have yourself a good old time, my friends. (laughs) And without any further ado, may I introduce you to my brother and co-host, K.J. Sheehan. Kev, how are you? I'm doing great. How about you, Bill? Fantastic. You know, uh, I have to spend a couple of minutes here telling the folks... Uh, what's transpired over the past few weeks. A couple of weeks ago, folks, I was on with Richard Serrett, S-Y-R-E-T-T, Richard Serrett. He's one of the co-hosts of Coast to Coast AM, and I did a little podcast with him on his podcast, Strange Planet. I encourage you to listen in on that. Richard's a good stand-up guy. I like him a lot and uh, strange planet you could hear the interview i did over there and richard enjoyed the conversation so much as did i that uh, he invited me on coast the follow that weekend uh, i was on with him on a tuesday i did the recording it didn't air till like a, a week later and that's the radio show right bill just right coast to coast am Right. Uh, Now that was, because it airs out of Los Angeles, uh, 10 to 1, I believe, something like that. I was on 1 to 3 East Coast time. And uh, that was a good interview too. So if you get a chance to uh, log into uh, Coast to Coast AM, you may want to pick that up as well. Really interesting stuff. And Kev, for you personally. A good friend of mine and a friend of the podcast, uh, Rich, out in uh, Washington State Way, wanted me to pass on to you his wife's and his appreciation for all of the hard work that you and I put into the creation of this show, the books and everything else. And uh, he just wanted me to say to you that everything we do is greatly received and appreciated by them and I'm sure many others around the globe. And they actually mentioned me? Yep, he made Whoa. a spec he made a specific request to tell KJ. All right. Well, KJ is all fired up today because uh, <laughs> folks, you may not know
1: it, but I am a big hockey fan and I live down here in North Carolina about 600 miles away from my brother And today, we are hosting the NHL Winter Classic Hockey Game. So you may see me in a Bigfoot outfit on TV tonight if you turn on the game (laughs) at 8 o'clock Eastern, but I am so fired up to watch a hockey game outdoors with 60,000 of my closest friends. (laughs) And I know
0: all of them by name. I do. And they're bringing a marching band too, Bill, so this is going to be quite the spectacle. Ah, uh, man, I love that stuff. So it's awesome, awesome,
1: good stuff. And by the way, so as we jump in into cryptids in the news and other oddities, a lot of you that are longtime listeners know that my brother and I rarely talk about or rarely discuss what we're going to talk about before we log in to uh, record the show here. And uh, so, so my brother doesn't know. So I'm just going to jump in with my lead in. Balloons, UAPs, UFOs, F-22s, and Sidewinder missiles. Oh, my. <laughs> I mean, come on. Just what the hell is going on?
0: Yeah, it's. Uh, I I, I can tell already where you're going. And I kind of had a feeling you were going to launch into this. Uh, No uh, no pun
1: intended. I'm (laughs) launching into it.
0: (laughs) No sidewinders were used during the production of this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Kev, before you dive in and before I forget, folks, when you hear me saying the following account was given to me by K.J. Sheehan, the names I am using are not the names of the people who uh, recorded the accounts or the encounters with me. So, if you've seen something, say something, and have no fear whatsoever that I am going to use your name, even if you tell me I can use your name I will not use your name. And right. I've told that to many people who've given me accounts, even uh, in most recent days. So Very cool. when you hear me say, Joe Smith gave me the encounter, you may know somebody named Joe Smith, but no guy named Joe Smith <laughs> told me that encounter. So have no fear. I don't want people to be hesitant uh In reaching out to me at Woods dot com and hit the contact link uh have no fear that I am going to use your name under any circumstances uh and I just wanted to get that out there Kev, before i uh it slipped my mind and I forgot
1: oh that's awesome bill
0: awesome but
1: but back to what's in the news come yeah. on, we shot down four different balloons. With F-22 Raptors, you know, over the period of about a week. Like, what the heck is going on?
0: Yeah. Yeah, very bizarre circumstances, man.
1: I I mean, and I really can't tell what's going on. Because the first one, right, the first balloon... Uh, was shot down over the Atlantic Ocean, close to the coast of North and South Carolina, right? Mm -hmm. And it came into the airspace, U.S. airspace in Alaska on January 28th, floated along Idaho, Montana, and over the Carolinas. And they said that the balloon was about the size of three school buses,
0: it's a it big flying, balloon.
1: <laughs> big balloon, and it was flying at an altitude of sixty to sixty-five thousand feet. Wow! Yeah, so that's the first one, right? And, uh-huh, and uh, uh-huh. they send up this F twenty-two, right? Maybe not our most advanced fighter, but our second most advanced of the ones we know about. Right. Armed with sidewinder missiles, and they blow this thing out of the sky. So. You know I checked it out, Bill. You know me, aviation guy like you. I'm like, "Man, doesn't the F-22 have a gun on it?" Yeah.
0: <laughs> I thought the same thing. How about a yeah. how about a quick burst out of a 50 cal or something, you yeah, know? So so you'll be happy. So yeah, but you know,
1: why not shoot a $500,000 or a million dollar Sidewinder missile at a balloon, right? You know, what the heck. (laughs) So I checked it out. I'm like, well, maybe the F-22 doesn't have a gun. But in fact, the F-22 has a 20-millimeter Gatling gun
0: and a linear
1: linkless ammunition feed system. That's how they describe it. So I'm pretty sure the F-22 could take down a balloon with a little burst
0: from the Gatling gun. Yeah, I was wondering the same thing. What? Why shoot an expensive missile at a balloon? I mean, other than the fact it's fun, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> good prac—good practice, right? <laughs> but crazy stuff, you know. Yeah. Now I wonder why they didn't uh, take these things down sooner. You think that it took them that long to figure out it was unknown and potentially uh harmful to us. Well, this is part of the what the heck is going on
1: question yeah. that I have. Now, there there of course who knows if what the government is telling, the newspapers and that is true, right? We we certainly have no reason to think. I'm not a big conspiracy guy, as you know, Bill, but we have no reason to think that the Pentagon has to tell the New York Times in this case. Uh, or the Wall Street Journal two of the sources I'm using for this podcast today uh, the truth about what's going on right like let's yeah. let's, let's,
0: <laughs> let's not think for a
1: minute that they're obligated to tell them the truth uh, oh come but, on aren't they what no but the <laughs> the story goes that they didn't see it because uh, NORAD, right? The f- same folks that track Santa Claus, by the way, uh, Christmas time. Uh, <laughs> they they have the sophisticated uh, radar system and satellites and everything else, but it's really designed to see uh, fast moving objects entering our airspace, like mm-hmm. you know intercontinental ballistic missiles and stuff like that. So the yeah. theory is that the radar is not. Designed to pick up signatures of these very slow-moving crafts like balloons at 60,000 feet. And then once they saw this one come across the country and they got the signature, the radar signature of that, the one that they shot down off of North and South Carolina, the theory is that then they adjusted the radar aperture to alarm on, on objects just like this and then they started seeing them over that week-long period. So that's, yeah. that's the theory. I'm not saying that's the truth, though. Like, I'm mm-hmm. I'm interested, you know, some of our listeners out there, what they think, of course.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Especially and if somebody now, out there is in the know.
0: Now, they, uh, well, we don't know. I don't know if we'll ever really know if they've recovered anything yet uh, from these balloons. They did. They did. There's some pictures of
1: them uh, in a, you know, boats scooping up this stuff. Now, some of the stuff was not recovered. Like on February 10th, they, you know, they said they shot down and they said a UFO off Alaska, and they say that this U.S. fighter jet brought down this craft over the waters of Alaska. The object broke into pieces after being shot down and was most likely not a balloon, a Defense Department official said. And a White House official said that the
0: object was the size of a small car. Hmm. Right now, these are uh, these are separate incidents, separate from, from the all in this week-long
1: event. So
0: yeah. that happened yeah. on February 10th, not mm-hmm.
1: that long ago. And then February 11th, uh, a UFO was shot down over Canada by a. <laughs> excuse me, by an American F-22 fighter over the Yukon Territory. So, of course, you know, uh, Canada, uh, uh, Canada's Prime Minister, Justin Trudeau, said it was okay for us to shoot it down because um, the Air Force was in the shop apparently on February 11th, the Canadian Air Force. Sorry, folks, that's mm-hmm. a joke. <laughs> 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 but the Canadian official described uh, this one as cylindrical and smaller than a quote-unquote spy balloon. And it was yeah. picked up on radar the day before as it passed over Alaska.
0: You know, really interesting, Kev, obvious, I'm stating the obvious. In order to blow something to pieces, it had to have structure to it.
1: Well, that's the one of them. You know, that one, I think it was, they said was uh, cylindrical. Yeah. Um, you know, it didn't look like a balloon where, you know, we all saw the images of the first balloon, which was pretty cool, by the way. Some of those images that you saw taken with cameras over uh, like Montana and that it did look like a UFO. Right. It's like this round, shiny thing up in the sky. Yeah. In the distance and not moving like a plane. During the daytime, yeah. so yep, I think yep. that's an interesting fact right there too. That you know,
0: what you know, maybe this is something that's seen at times. You know, yeah, you I know, mean, uh, when I saw the pictures of the balloon, uh, it brought me back to my one of my UFO encounters out at Shinnecock during the daytime, where I saw these two perfectly spherical. They seemed to be alive. They were like vibrating, but they had perfect borders, no smoke, no indication of anything outside of them uh, being visible. And they were blinking in and out. They would fizzle down to nothing and then kind of boop, reappear and grow back to their size with these perfect borders over the water. And it looked a lot like the balloon. And I'm not saying these things were balloons, Right. Believe me, folks, they were not balloons, right. but it reminded it reminded me of that shape and right. that appearance. Yep.
1: Interesting. Yeah. So, so then the uh, the the last one that we know about was shot down February twelfth, the next day, over uh-huh. Lake Huron, again in the northern U.S. Or this one in the northern U.S. They said it first appeared the day before in Montana on February 11th, and reappeared the next day before being shot down over Lake Huron. And they said the object, which was flying at about 20,000 feet, had an octagonal structure with strings hanging off of it, but had no discernible payload, U.S. officials said. Mm -hmm. And, um,
0: you know, just super weird. Yeah. Yeah, we've never heard of this before uh, in all lifetime, Kev, such a thing. No, no. And then,
1: so, so uh, um, it, you know, they, they say it's unclear, this is what the government said, they, that it's unclear what the objects were, what their purpose was, or who sent them. However, in interviews on February 15th, U.S. officials said that they increasingly believe that the objects were, get this, unlikely to be surveillance de- devices.
0: Yeah, so if they're not surveillance devices, what the heck are they? Exactly. I couldn't have said it better. Like I'm
1: like, what the heck is going on? And if they're not a threat, why are we
0: shooting Sidewinder missiles at them? (laughs) Well, you know, uh, when you're chasing the unknown, perhaps in ignorance, perhaps not, uh, they perceive them in their unknown status, as worthy of being taken out of the sky, uh, better we don't have them flying around us than we do. I mean, that was obviously th- the presumptive leap that they made to take them out, that irregardless, let's get rid no, of them.
1: Oh, I mean, I'm not saying we shouldn't shoot them down, believe me.
0: Yeah, Like.
1: yeah. I'm just saying, like, okay, now all of a sudden, they're in the beginning, there were definitely Chinese... Spy balloons,
0: mm-hmm. and
1: now they don't know what they were. Like that, I mean, that just sounds suspicious to me. I'm sorry, that's that's just me.
0: Yeah, well, you know, remember the old Roswell story, where the headline read "UFO shot down" or uh, "UFO crashed to Earth," and the next day they had pictures of uh, <laughs> the guy standing. A uh, uh, crouched down and saying it was a uh, weather balloon and he had pieces of a weather balloon uh, laying next to him and next to him and around him, you know, that yeah, was well, totally- there's
1: a, there's another theory on that whole thing. Right. Is that um, I'm, I'm sure you've seen this one. Maybe you haven't. But that back then in the 50s, right, when the Roswell US- UFO incident happened, the, the United States was testing spy balloons to go over Russia. And they were testing them out there, you know, in Roswell, in the Roswell area, and Mm -hmm. they would fly like this first balloon at sixty thousand feet over Russia and take pictures, Mm -hmm. you know, before they had like the U two and stuff like that, or maybe in addition to the U uh, two spy plane. So they uh, they had that, and then they crashed out there, but they didn't want the public to know. That we had these spy balloons and that we were testing them because then Russia would know. And there's a theory that they started this UFO story. The government did. Mm -hmm. Isn't that something?
0: Yeah. Well, I don't know. I'm not buying it. (laughs) I know, but you know, I mean, it comes back to my original
1: uh, thesis of we can't believe what they're telling us.
0: Yeah, there's no doubt. I'm not
1: a conspiracy theory folk person, folks. I'm just saying that, you know, if it's a matter of national defense, they're not necessarily going to tell us the truth.
0: Yeah, and uh, you can't blame them for doing that. This whole spy-counter-spy-espionage thing is uh, exactly what it is, you know. It's real. Yeah, it's real. Yeah, it's real, and it's ongoing, and it's not going away. Uh, So you can can, uh, rest assured that more of the same... It's coming down the pipe, you know. No doubt about it. So,
1: so, Bill, that's, that's cryptids in the news and other oddities this week. And I honestly, I was hoping, I've been watching it, of course, since they shot one down off the coast here in North Carolina and following it across the country prior to that. And I'm like, what the heck is going on? I've been reading everything, searching everything. I can't find rhyme or reason. this. So uh, Mm -hmm. other than there was a really funny meme out there. I don't know if you saw this. When they shot down the first one, it said uh, uh, North Carolina fishermen find remnants of Chinese spy balloon. And it had a picture of uh, probably two of my neighbors out at the coast standing on the beach, holding up this deflated, dirty Winnie the Pooh balloon that they found (laughs) on the beach. (laughs) Like one of those three foot <laughs> balloons you buy in the supermarket. Yeah, and this yeah. Dirty Winnie the Pooh balloon. I was, I was laughing out loud when I saw that.
0: Right, and <laughs> under, under the image of Winnie the Pooh, it said in Chinese, Winnie the Pooh.
1: <laughs> that Sidewinder missile got the, got the best of Pooh Bear.
0: <laughs> now, let me, let me say this, man, and I felt this way for a long, a long time. With the way the Chinese government runs itself and its oppression of its people and everything else, these dudes can't be trusted. And I don't care what anybody says. I wouldn't trust them <laughs> for anything uh, under any circumstances. Uh, you want to talk about lying and espionage and whatnot. I don't even think these guys can tell the truth if they wanted to. Folks, uh, that was
1: my brother, in case the Chinese are listening, which I'm sure they are. That was my brother, W.J., not K.J. Please don't come to my house tonight. That's right. (laughs) That's right.
0: Bring it on, sucker. (laughs) 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 All right. So I have a really kind of creepy uh, Bigfoot account here, Encounter. Uh, was told to me by uh, Ed and susan Zabiella, two hikers who came across a little more than they bargained for while hiking below desolation Butte and uh, this is what the couple had to say about their encounter of july uh, in july of 1997. In 1997, we had planned a family camp out near Olive Lake in Oregon. I worked at the time with a fellow who raved about this area and had been there several times himself. So we planned a week packing up everything we would need for this little vacation in the woods. At the time, our two children, Sophia and little Eddie, who were 12 and 16 years old, respectively, were in excellent physical condition, both being very athletic, and so we had planned to do an extensive amount of exploration in the form of hiking. On the fourth day of our campout, we headed north into the Umatia National Forest, with our goal for the day being The base of Desolation Butte, a 7,000 foot mountain to our northwest. We had hiked about four miles, crossing over what I would say was a secondary road, with the butte now dead north of us. As we now were re entering the wilderness to continue our hike, we were coming into an area of the woods that was very undulating. It was up and down and all around walk where our forward vis it was an up and down and all around walk where our forward visibility was extremely limited as far as what we could see ahead of us for the most part we were following some apparent game trails as well as being in some open areas in the trees now i have to tell you before I get into what happened next, because it all unfolded so quickly, that each of us was carrying a canister of bear spray. Between reading the instructions and coaching the kids in its use, I remember that the spray had an effective range of 20 to 40 feet, and that to be truly effective, it needed to contact the eyes and the nose. These were basically large canisters of pepper spray. Our family at the time was in what I would call quiet mode. In other words, during the hike, there were times when we were jabbering like magpies, and at other times we were just quiet, focusing on the task at hand and taking in the surroundings. This moment was one of the latter. What happened next was so frightening, and it happened so quickly that, frankly, it was hard to believe. I was leading our little troop and had quite literally just stepped over a small rise in the trail, uh, the trail we were following, which dipped down to our left. I heard a short grunt which was followed by an enormous sasquatch jumping out of the brush about 40 or 50 feet ahead of us. Sophia screamed, and when she did, the creature let out a growl. It then snarled at me, showing its teeth. My wife had grabbed little Eddie as I pulled my spray canister from my belt. The beast was snarling at me with the evilest grin you could imagine, as I had already brought the canister into position to fire it if it moved any closer. I said to the family to back away slowly, and Susan said, We're not leaving you! All of them had their canisters out. As this was happening, my eyes had glanced down to the left on the ground where the creature had come from and I could see the fresh, bloodied carcass of some type of animal lying on the ground. The beast's face around its jowls was wet with what I knew was blood. We had more than likely stumbled upon this creature as it was engaged in eating a kill, and it was none too happy about us being there. Perhaps it was just warning us off of its kill like most predatory creatures would. The creature was snarling and curling its lips, making quick forward movements with its upper body in a way that seemed to be somewhat of a fake, that it was about to jump or leap in our direction. I guess the best way to describe it would be that of a bluff. He looked like a prize fighter who was faking a left to throw a right, if that makes any sense. I took one slow step backwards and told the others to start doing so themselves. And as we did, this beast took one large quick step towards us, and I pulled the trigger on the canister. The cloud came out in a torrent, but seemed to fall short of the mark and had emptied rather quickly. I then told Sophia to give me her canister. When the cloud came pouring out in the direction of the beach, beast, it lurched backwards, apparently being spooked by what had happened. Then, as quickly as it had begun, it snarled again, clenched its fist, and stepped back to its right to reach down to grab the animal, disappearing into the trees." We could hear some thrashing and snapping noises as it moved away and we turned to make our own escape while the getting was good. I was taking the rear now, walking with one eye over my shoulder and telling the others to try to move quickly and carefully. We reached a place where we had crossed the secondary road of which I spoke earlier. Now having reached the road, we saw a solitary hiker coming in our direction. He was carrying a backpack and a long walking stick, so we waited for him. As he got closer, he hailed a hello to us, and we started to walk towards him. Sophia was clutching my wife in such a way that I guess he could tell something was wrong, and perhaps our faces told the tale as well. He asked us if everything was all right, as I began to tell him what happened. To be honest with you, he wasn't as stunned as I believe most people would have, having heard what I just said. He said that these creatures were talked about in the region, but he personally had never seen or experienced anything of the sort. Although he knew others who said they had. We introduced ourselves, and out of the kindness of his heart, he said he was going to accompany us back to our campground. I told him it wasn't necessary, but he was insistent and joined us for the hike back. This guy reminded me of Davy Crockett. He had a long graying beard with a big knife on his belt, as well as a compound bow lashed to his pack. When we had reached a camp, we all settled in for some grub with our newfound friend, whose name was Elijah Stanislaw. He said that he spends weeks at a time in the woods, basically fending for himself. He also said that he had experienced and heard many strange and unusual things, including loud howls which he could not explain, but had never seen anything the likes of what we had. I think one of the craziest things about this encounter was how quickly and easily we had come upon this beast with neither us nor it being apparently aware of the other's presence until we were virtually on top of each other. It also made us realize just how quickly an unfortunate and deadly bear encounter can occur, with virtually no time to react. If this creature had not been in front of us or hadn't stopped, he could have been on us in a split second and had it been off the trail to our left or right-hand sides, it could have snatched us up in an instant. The creature was about eight feet tall and four feet wide, having both enormous hands and feet. It was definitely a male, and it stunk like you can't believe. In fact, just a split second before it jumped out, I had gotten a whiff of it, but it was too late. Its head was recessed into its upper body, which was massive and very muscular. The face had some hair on it, but it was very sparse and scraggly in appearance. The teeth, which we saw, were stained and yellowed, being mostly square in shape, with two somewhat fang teeth protruding down from the top very similar to how a human's teeth look. To me, this was in no way a human. It simply stood on two legs and had eyes and a nose, but that's where the similarities end. This was, in my opinion, a large and potentially deadly animal, and I'm glad that we escaped with our lives. There you have it, wow, Kevin. Wow, that's an that's a awesome account, Bill. I mean, how would you like to stumble upon that coming around a little turn and a dip in the no. woods? Bang, you're in the middle oh, of man. it, you know, just like that. Now you
1: know, Bill, and, uh, you know, our longtime listeners know I spend a lot of time hiking in the woods, spend a lot of time out there, too, in Oregon. I haven't been to Olive Lake. i got to put that on the to-do list. But, um, and carrying you know the fire extinguisher size canister, a bear spray strapped to my thigh, um, and folks you know, I know my brother always says, always oh, carry more gun than you think you're gonna need, but actually, with like a big grizzly bear, they say, uh you know the really good bear spray, not the stuff you buy at the sporting goods store, um that's even more effective than like a handgun on a grizzly because. Those grizzlies, they find people that are mauled, you know, in the woods with an empty uh, magazine of a nine millimeter and no bear and the person's dead. You know, so it's like the, the bear spray is like an expectorant. So it makes them vomit. You know, it hurts their eyes and everything else. But it really is your last line of defense,
0: you know. <laughs> oh, yeah. Man. Yeah. It's that's scary. Well, stuff. Well, I told you, Kev, I. Uh, I did an interview uh, on a podcast with a fellow whose father-in-law was hunting with another guy. Right. And the grizzly attacked. He got a shot off, hit it. The bear still kept coming, mauled him. The other guy that was with him shot it again. Yeah. And he wound up in the hospital for thirty days, and this fellow was called in, and the staff said, "We don't think he's going to make it. You better get over here." Well, he did make it, but two shots from a rifle at close range uh wasn't enough to kill it or stop it from almost killing us. The they son. are massive, angry beasts, especially if
1: you start shooting yeah. at them,
0: you know, yeah. So uh, they have enough adrenaline or whatever you want to call it. If you don't get it, even if you get a lung shot, uh, I, I think the only way you could really take it is if you hit it square in the heart. Right. And who who knows? Who's got time to do that with something? Yeah, short. Stay still
1: here. while I uh, map out where your heart would be. St- stay there. Don't move. Don't move. Yeah. Let me draw a little Let more. me open this I manual got this here. Sharpie
0: here. Let me take my Sharpie <laughs> out and draw a little X. ha. <laughs> But uh, can you imagine walking through, and this thing, uh, according to this couple, had a kill. Mm. Uh, Not unlikely that any creature might be standing over a kill, cougar, bear, whatever. No, 100%. And and that puts it
1: in an aggressive uh, stance as well, that it's protecting its kill.
0: Yeah, yeah, you're not taking this. Yeah, I worked
1: hard for this thing.
0: You even see like a, you know, as we all have like the lions after they take down an antelope or a gnu. Uh they're fighting with each other as they're trying to chow down on oh, the thing, you know. Yeah. So uh me first.
1: No, I want some. Yeah, try and take a carrot away from a labrador <laughs> retriever. They'll come after you.
0: <laughs> or a tomato, oh, forget that. <laughs> hey, that's you my could lose a hand. <laughs>
1: What a great account, though. And I I love the description of the beast, too. Like its face and, you know, the head uh, set into the shoulders. Classic Bigfoot descriptions.
0: Yeah, these things are all business. Yeah. And, you know, I think these are the males. Well, he said this was a male for obvious reasons, Uh, which is why in the Patty flick, uh, she looks much different than this muscular Kind of uh, monster that we hear uh, all too often. Yes, defeat. To me, the females seem to be the more barrel-looking, the uniform uh, kind of cylindrical yeah, body not, coming not up v- from shaped, the hips, more round-shaped. Yeah, yeah, just burly-like, yeah. you know, yeah, uh, like a bear body. Yep, and uh, but this thing when you see that. Uh like that craven footage if oh, yeah, you remember yeah. that up yeah. in uh Alberta. I mean that thing was like freaking all business yeah. boy. <laughs> Just cruising along. You don't Yeah, you don't want to get in a tangle with that bad boy. <laughs> no, sir. No, sir. <laughs> Just keep moving along. Oh, Nothing to God. see here.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> so that's it, man. Another uh rocking uh Account or some observations and cryptids in the news and other oddities, and then followed up by this Bigfoot encounter up in the Umatilla. Uh, and it's funny, I'm reading this today, and I have to ask uh, my buddies uh, what they know about this in uh, Oregon. Uh, they see everywhere I talk about, they seem to have been. <laughs> so. There are people who are really out there, folks, and they're doing stuff that uh, we folks in uh, suburbia uh, are not. And those are the facts that matter. They are out there. If you live
1: out in uh, Eastern Oregon, Eastern Washington, you're an outdoors person, you know, because there's not much else out there. They're beautiful. Don't get me wrong, folks. Beautiful states, and I've lived in one of them, and. I miss it. Mm -hmm. It was wonderful out there. But when you're out there, you're doing a lot of hiking and a lot of camping, a lot of fishing. Mm -hmm. You know, you are outdoors because it is spectacular outdoors.
0: Yeah. Now, and I was in touch with uh, one of my buddies last night. I was working and we were going back and forth uh, with some emails and I was sharing some photographs with him. And he sent me a picture of a house he's building in uh, Idaho uh, 1500 feet up on the side of a mountain <laughs> and I was sending him these uh, Bigfoot pictures and we were going back and forth about it and he says like oh my god I was just hiking down from the house uh, when I got the pictures with no flashlight in the dark with my dog
1: <laughs> <laughs> I shook him up a little
0: yeah, you know he had a gun. Yeah. Uh, kudos to them He's, They're always carrying a weapon Yeah, But you know uh, they're, they're cut from a different piece of cloth My friend yeah.
1: <laughs> Outdoorsy as they what? say
0: Yeah outdoorsy <laughs> <laughs> So what do we got in our listener mail Kevin?
1: Yeah we got some good listener mail Bill this week The first one comes in from Robert From Western PA Pennsylvania And he mm-hmm. says Heard you on coast to coast So he was out there listening, Bill. And he says, are you Mm -hmm. related to the late Dr. George A. Sheehan of Ocean Grove? If you are related Uh to Dr. George Sheehan, let me hear from you. You may call me here in Western PA. Leave a message and the best time to call back. And I want to compare a note about Bigfoot, but also to recall the times I met some of your relatives. Thank you, Robert. So I read this one, Bill, even though we are blood brothers. I didn't know if you had a, uh, uh, you know, a relative <laughs> that I didn't know about.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, now, Robert, I have your phone number. Uh, I got a lot of uh, feedback from the Coast interview, and uh, you're on my list to call. Uh, but no. Uh, we are not related to a Dr. Sheehan. Well, that's good to hear, because uh, if you said yes, I'd yeah. be like calling my whole <laughs> life into question here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and obviously, I want to hear about whatever Robert Absolutely. has to say about Bigfoot.
1: Absolutely.
0: So, uh, yeah, pretty cool. Pretty cool. Yep.
1: Cool. And our next note, also related to hearing you, Bill, comes in from Carol. And uh, she the subject is your Richard Syrett show. Great interview, W.J. I accidentally discovered I could watch Richard's show on YouTube rather than on the podcast. And it was very nice to get to see you tonight as well as hear your stories. I hope he I hope he has you on again. I believe he will. Also, he's a fellow Christian, which puts him at the top of my list. Keep up the great work, Carol. Bill, you there?
0: Yeah, I'm here, Kev. Can you hear me? Oh, you went silent for a minute. Uh, No, delay of game, offense, five-yard penalty, automatic first down. (laughs) Okay, so did you you (laughs) hear uh, Carol uh, seeing you on? I did. Yeah, so that's good stuff. Yeah, I, I was in the middle of saying that Carol's a, an avid listener, and we've heard from her before. Uh, and by the way, folks, uh, I didn't mention this. Uh, Richard Sirrett also posted our interview together on YouTube. Right. So it's a it's a video on YouTube, Bill. I got to watch that. Yeah. So pick it up. Richard Sirrett, Strange Planet, interview with W.J. Sheehan or William Sheehan. And uh, you can see the two of us uh, going back, me sitting at my computer and Richard in his little studio. Very cool. Uh, Yeah, so that's cool. So those of you who want to know what I look like, uh, you may want to put dark sunglasses on.
1: (laughs) I was going to say, I'm sure you got a nice uh, clean and tight haircut for the interview. Uh, Oh, yeah, you know me.
0: (laughs) 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 That's
1: funny. That's funny. Good stuff. Uh, Too much. All right, Bill. And our last uh, email today came in from Tony. And uh, we're going to shift gears a little bit. He says the subject is Thunderbird sighting. And he says, hi, guys. I just recently discovered your podcast, and I love it. I just listened to episode 165, where you spoke about the giant bird, and I thought I, I need to finally say something about my sighting. I've told friends and family for years, but never went public until now. I'll give you a brief version here of my encounter. Happy to chat further if you want to hear more. I was living in South Central Brit- British Columbia back in 2004 and had taken a weekend trip north to do some fishing and hiking not sure i should reveal the location but we are a ways north of Kelowna and fishing a lake at quite an elevation on the road back we had spotted a couple of bald eagles flying around in a circular motion and got out of the car to watch them after a couple of minutes out of nowhere an enormous bird coasted out over the mountainside As soon as it came into view, my binoculars went black and the two eagles we were watching took off like they were frightened. I estimate that this other bird was at least 15 feet across and that three eagles could have easily fit under its wingspan. It was so big, I swear it literally felt like it could have swooped down and picked me up and carried me off, and I am a 220-pound hombre. The hmm. sighting probably only lasted about 8 to 10 seconds. It was jet black in color, never flapped its wings, and it just coasted effortly, effortlessly back and forth a couple of times and then disappeared back over the mountainside and out of view. Hmm. Pretty cool, huh?
0: Yeah, uh, you know, he's not alone. People see these things. I know, and, for, years, you know I... for years and years yeah. people see these Thunderbirds. Yeah. Yeah, so, you know, and and some photographs have been posted, you know. And, of course, is that real? Is it CG? You know, I don't know. People are seeing something. No, but I, I and, like this sighting because he stops to watch
1: a pair of bald eagles. So you immediately have scale, right? You yeah. have something to judge yeah. it against, and you know what a bald yeah. eagle looks like, whereas somebody that never saw a bald eagle may see a bald eagle for the first time and think that thing is huge, right?
0: Because yep, it is. Yep.
1: But compared to the bald eagle, it's gigantic.
0: Yeah, uh, my friend out in the Pacific Northwest says they call uh, uh, seagulls out there eagle twinkies. <laughs> so he says the eagles out there swoop down and just take seagulls right out of the sky. Them out of the air. Yeah, they just pick them off. Yeah, you know, come you, from in above. Our,
1: in our yard here in North Carolina, we have I don't know what kind of bird it is, some kind of little falcon or something that fly around, and they pick the birds off as the the songbirds when they're flying across the yard, they'll nab them right out of the air, and it's just like an explosion of feathers.
0: It's unbelievable, yeah. huh? Yeah. I mean, nature is incredible, just to behold, and that's why we look around. No you know, doubt we about it. see what. You know, I always say people see something because they're looking and we see these things because you and I are watching. 100%. And uh most people if you talk to them about that, they'd be like, "Wow, really, dude?"
1: Well, of course, you know, you know most people Bill, these days are looking at their phone,
0: you know. Yeah, unfortunately, so face down. They never
1: see the thunderbird that flies right
0: over their head. <laughs> <laughs> You know, it's uh, it, it's just incredible. I told you, I have people walking into me in the hospital. Yeah, they don't they don't even realize they're so out of touch with reality. They're walking along, focused on their phone, and they're running right into you. They don't even know you're coming at them. That. Yikes! That's just like ignorance. Yeah. But uh, that's a story for another cryptid in the news. Another. We should do another other oddities segment are dopes with iPhones.
1: (laughs) And by the way, we're not picking on iPhones. It could be Androids, too. That's true.
0: I'd actually like to name
1: Android. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Bill. So that's it. A good podcast. Wow. Balloons, Raptors, and Sidewinders. Oh, my. And a great Bigfoot encounter from uh, Olive Lake, Oregon, or Oregon. As my brother says. Oregon.
0: Yeah, fantastic, folks. And remember, if you've seen something say something, you can contact us at BigfootTerrorInTheWoods.com. Hit the contact link and leave me some information, and I promise you I will get back to you. And by the way, Kev, there are still a ton of people out there, and I don't know what the deal is. They ask me to contact them. I reach out, and I never hear from them. Do you, so, folks, Do you leave a kind what? and
1: gentle message, or do you say, Hey, what the hell's going on? Why are you on <laughs> me?
0: If you have something to say, call me. <laughs> yeah, call me up. Boom! You could be scared. No, anymore, uh, 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 my intent is to scare everybody. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyways, listen, folks. If you find yourself hiking up to desolate Desolation Butte, or anywhere in the Umatia mountain range you better remember one thing always carry more gun than you think you're going to need sleep tight my friends